0: Hey friends, welcome to the Family House Message of the Week podcast. This is Pastor Jason, lead pastor at Family House Fellowship in Cedar Park, Texas. At Family House, we are a family of faith growing towards wholeness in Jesus Christ, heart, mind, and strength, and helping others towards that same wholeness, impacting not only this generation, but future generations. We would love for you to check out more about us on our website. It's familyhousecp.org. Also, you can follow us on social media in all the places, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are at Family House CP. And also, if you wouldn't mind, the best way to continue to see these podcast episodes when they drop is to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform that you love to get your podcasts. And uh, if you wouldn't mind, rate and leave a review. It helps other people find this message of the week podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. David, appreciate the warm welcome. (laughs) We'll get you a t-shirt. All right. Um, Assuming we didn't get any prayer request cards. So we're going to, I just want to welcome you. Okay, great. Um, we want to spend some more time praying together um, One of the things that we have really been focusing on um, Really been praying into Is the, the idea of what the, what the early church did The things that the early church did Acts 2.42 spells it out pretty clearly Right, They devoted themselves um, to breaking a bread And prayer And, and praising the Lord And, and then also prayer and 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 teaching, hearing the, the apostles teaching, right? And so those are the things that we want to be about. And so um, I know sometimes it can feel really like intense and intimidating to like put your prayer requests out in the open. Um, but if there's something, obviously there are things that are personal that you don't want um, public. But if there's something that we can publicly pray for, we want to come around you and do that um, when we meet together. And so... Um, it's one of the reasons why we put the prayer requests on the back of the Connect card. Um, but um, we're, we're sort of just now getting to the place where we want to integrate it into what we're doing and when we meet together. And so if there are things that we can pray about, we'd love to do that. Um, so let me pray, and then um, we're going we're gonna to jump into today's uh, talk. Father, I just thank you for your love for us. Um, we rally around the fact that no matter what is going on in our lives, that your love for us never fails. Father, I pray for those um, who are here today who are struggling. Maybe there's um, some strife or some heartache or some situations that have been hard going on, Lord, and I just pray for peace today. I pray, I thank you that your peace is available to us. We don't have to beg for it. We don't have to go searching for it. It is readily available for us. And so, Father, I thank you that we have access to your peace. And I, Lord, I pray and and declare that your peace would reign. That your peace would reign over our hearts and our minds today. Whatever situation, Lord, that we might be struggling in, Lord, that you'd come in to that place and bring peace and hope. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So we're in a series called The Best Summer Ever, and we've been going through the fruit of the Spirit, and so we spent a couple weeks talking about what it looks like to live in the Spirit, by the Spirit, and then we... and We've spent a week talking about what it looks like to live in the flesh, comparing and contrasting these these two things. And that's an important level of foundation, so if you haven't heard those messages, I would encourage you to go back and listen to them because it sort of lays a foundation for what um, everything that we're talking about. Because it's either we are living by the Spirit and the, the things that the, the Spirit is doing in our lives, the, the renovation that the Spirit is doing in our hearts... Um, it's really it's there's a big religious word called sanctification that goes along with that, right? But that's really what we're talking about. When the Holy Spirit comes in to our hearts, to our lives, to dwell, then what He wants to do is renovation. He wants to He wants to move walls. He wants to He wants to freshen up the decor of our insides. And so we're either, when, when he comes, we either give him space to do the renovation work that he wants to do, or we don't. And when we do, we're living by the Spirit. When we don't, we're living in the flesh. And so, then we started talking about the specific fruit that comes from allowing the Spirit to do his work in us. We talked about love. We've talked about joy. We haven't talked about peace yet. That's coming next week. Last week I talked about patience. That patience is um, something that is a pretty evident fruit of the Spirit, right? We it it is a it is a pretty hefty marker in our lives that either looks at do we are we allowing the Spirit to work or are we not? This week, don't want to talk about kindness. Have you noticed? That there's a difference between being nice and being kind. Right? I think sometimes we get it in our heads as Christians that we are supposed to be nice. I remember growing up, I was told all the time be nice to your brother. Be nice to your brother. Be nice to your brother. brother." You know what my brother needed? He didn't need me to be nice. He needed me to be kind. There's a difference between being nice and being kind. Nice is just, I see you from across the room and I maybe crack a smile. But I'm not going to stop and talk to you. Being nice means I'm, I, may, I may not say the word I'm thinking about you. Being kind is not thinking the word at all and letting the overflow of my heart come out towards you there's a difference between being nice and being kind and i think a lot of us as christians are caught being nice we're caught being nice that's that's as far as it goes is we've we've started down the road of nice and we're just polite nice people but we're not kind. We're going to it might seem weird we're doing a, a a series on the fruit of the spirit and we're not going to be in Galatians 5. We've 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 beaten that dead horse. We are not going to be in Galatians 5 tonight. We're going to be in Luke 10. We're going to we're going to flip back and forth between Luke 10 and John chapter 4 today. So if you turn if you got your bibles if you turn with me to Luke chapter 10. This is a story that Jesus uses to illustrate the difference between being nice and being kind. So let's look at it. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through, um, let's see, 37. It says this, and behold, a lawyer stood up to put, up, put him to the test. This is Jesus. Jesus is being put to, te- put to the test by a lawyer. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? How do you interpret it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself might have heard that one before. And then verse 28 says, and he said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? You ever asked yourself that question? This guy understood the law. He understood that the law of the Lord was to love the Lord your God with all all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The problem was he didn't want to love people he didn't want to love. And so he was trying to just, as Scripture says, he was trying to justify himself and trying to get permission not to love certain people. He wanted to be nice but he didn't care to be kind. And so he wanted Jesus to give him an out. He wanted Jesus to define his neighbor. And so Jesus responds with a story. Interestingly enough, right, we, we've talked about this, for those of you who have been around a while, we've talked about this, we've talked about parables. Jesus spoke in parables a lot because it was a way for to to take something of spiritual significance and boil it down to something that the people knew and understood. And so, this is what Jesus said. He said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down... Let me stop there for a second. So, this man was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, this road that you would have had to have traveled to go from Jerusalem to Jericho was dangerous. It was, it was full of twists and turns and, and blind corners and lots of places for people to hide. And so criminals, thieves, knew that they could hide in the areas that the people could not see. And they could take them by surprise. And they can take their possessions and beat them and leave them for dead. This was common. Actually, in some research that I did this week, I discovered that it was still common in the 19th century. This road is notorious. It has been this way forever. So, one, it tells you, you know, obviously the terrain hadn't changed much, but two, the nature of people haven't changed much. And so this is where this man finds himself. This fictional man that Jesus is talking about. But the people would have exactly known what Jesus was talking about. They knew exactly the road and they knew how dangerous it was. And so he says this. He said, now by chance, this is verse 31, a priest was going down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite. When he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him, and he bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And then Jesus says, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. So there's a few things that we need to know about this story. Jews and Samaritans... Were mortal enemies Why? Because the Jews Saw Samaritans as second class citizens Well why? Because the Samaritans Were mixed race So Jews Believed in the purity Of their race Right Um, It's actually something God told them God said don't intermarry because I don't want you to mix your culture with theirs. I want you to be focused on me. So I need you to marry someone who's focused on me. Now, obviously, that, that, um, that command from the Lord was cultural for the time in the Old Testament. But based on the person of Jesus Christ, no longer exists, right? Because now Jesus is saying, your culture is the kingdom culture, right Your culture is not Jew or Greek. your culture is kingdom culture and so the only thing that matters is is that person that you, are you 're going to marry is or do they know me? are they following me so when jesus when Jesus is telling us giving us giving us some some clues into whether we should mix it's do not be tethered to a non-believer. Do not be unequally yoked to an unbeliever. That's the culture that Jesus was, was about, right? But this is but this has a, been a culture war between the Jews and the Samaritans because the Jews found Samaritans who were Jews who so were the offspring of Jews who who were married to Gentiles, non-Jews. And they saw them as second-class citizens. And so the Jews hated Samaritans. So when Jews hate Samaritans, what are Samaritans going to do? They're going to reciprocate. right? So they did not like each other. And, and the New Testament gives us plenty of information on Jews and Samaritans. If we flip over to John 4 and, and talk about the story at the woman at the well... If you remember that story, the woman was shocked that Jesus would even talk to her at all. Why? Because she was a Samaritan. Also, because she was a woman. But because she was a Samaritan woman. And the, the passage also gives us an indication that there were disputes as to where the accepted place of worship was between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans worshiped on the mountain there in Sychar, where the woman met Jesus at the well. But the Jews believed that the only acceptable place for worship was in Jerusalem. And so, back in Luke 10, right before Jesus tells the story of the Samaritan, um, actually it's in Luke chapter 9, right before we get to Luke chapter 10, Jesus um, has just dis- dispersed the disciples to go and do work in his name, right? To go heal people and to go um, cast out demons in his name. And so they've just returned, and the, the, the disciples are feeling really, really good about themselves. Right? They're feeling really, really good about themselves because they've just seen God move on their behalf. They did not need Jesus with them to do miracles. And so they're coming to this Samaritan village, and They're going in Jesus' name to prepare the way for Jesus, and the Samaritans say, no, we don't want you here. They reject Jesus' entry into their village. And the disciples come back discouraged. They're in the middle of their their, their highest moment as a disciple, and then all of a sudden, this village rejects Jesus, and James and John get this crazy, wild-haired idea. Like, Jesus... Why don't we call down fire from heaven to just blow them up? That's what James and John thought of the Samaritan village. They're like, well, they obviously don't like us, so let's just call down fire from heaven. And Jesus basically tells them, y'all need to go sit down. Take a time out. I mean, if you haven't figured out what I'm about yet, then maybe you need to go sit and think about it for a minute. That's not what Jesus was about. But that tells you about The conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. And then Jesus used a Samaritan as the main character in this story. He's got a Jew, a Jewish lawyer, who is asking him, Who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells him a story about a Samaritan who comes to the rescue of an injured Jew. He could have easily flipped the script, right? And it could have, been, could have made the Jews feel really good about themselves, right? And said, you know, this Samaritan man was attacked on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho, and a, a, a Jew came and saved the day. That's not what he did. Why? Because Jesus understood that the man's, one of the man's biggest problems was getting over his own pride getting over his own self-interests, his own discrimination towards people. And so we look at this, and the Samaritan is the hero of the story. He's the hero of the story. We've got a priest... That would be like if one of you were out on, um, I don't know, Hero Way or 2243 and your car broke down and somebody came and tried to carjack you and attacked you and left you in the ditch. And I'm driving, Pastor Jason is driving by and I'm going, that looks interesting. And I just keep driving on by. That's what it would have been for the priest in that day to have done that. But the priest was more worried about the way it would look for him to stop from a religious sense because the religious law said that if your shadow crosses over the body of a dead man, you're unclean. You need to go home, ceremonially wash yourself, and stay... He's basically in... in, In, like, COVID mode. He's got to go home, ceremonially wash, and stay home for a certain number of days before he can come back out. Now, he was on his way from Jerusalem to Jericho, so that indicates he had just finished his duty as the priest in the temple, so he didn't have to serve again for a while. He could have stopped, but he didn't want to chance it. He could have stopped to see if the man was alive, he didn't want to chance it. He was more worried about violating the religious law that said he might become unclean, then he was worried about the other law that would have actually taken preeminence over the ceremonial washing law that would have been mercy. Then you got the Levite. That would be like David seeing you on the side of the road and driving on by. The Levites would have been the worship leaders in the temple. Same problem. He doesn't have as many restrictions as the priest. He doesn't have as many, you know, ceremonially unclean issues as the priest has. But he also wasn't going to get caught up in something. And then you have the Samaritan. So let me go back to nice versus kind. I would suggest that the priest and the Levite both acted nice sort of looked they were sort of concerned but they didn't go far enough to kindness they didn't go far enough to actually reach out to be a part of the answer to the question what does this human being need right now so what does kindness look like. Number one, kindness is compassion in action. Jesus was really clear when he talked about the Samaritan. He said, the Samaritan saw the man and he had compassion on him. The difference between me seeing you on the side of the road in peril and whatever thing I'm racing to do the difference between me doing that or stopping to help you is my level of compassion. We've all been there, right? We've all been there. We've seen something going on on the side of the road. And we're like, uh, feel bad for that person, but not bad enough. It's not enough to get me to stop from... To disrupt what I'm trying to accomplish today so number one kindness is compassion in action it's taking that compassion we feel and actually walking it out to the next step of actually being kind showing kindness to that person second kindness shows up regardless of circumstances The Samaritan had all kinds of reasons not to stop. The Samaritan actually most likely had more reasons not to stop than the priest or the Levite. Culturally, he was excused from stopping. But he was the one that stopped. Kindness shows up regardless of circumstances. Three, Kindness goes beyond what's convenient. Kindness is going above and beyond. The Samaritan not only dressed his wounds, he was like, he, he was, I mean, think about this, right? Literally, there are robbers in the mountains. <laughs> there, 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 is, there are thieves on the road. There are criminals on the loose. What do we do when there are criminals on the loose? The Cedar Park Police Department tells us, we're on the the chase. Stay in your homes. Right? The Samaritan literally was like a field medic. He was dressing. he He was like a combat medic dressing this man's wounds. It could have gotten really bad in that moment for both of them. So he dresses the man's wounds In the field, he puts him on his donkey and he takes him someplace safe. And not only does he not only does he do that, but he also then takes care of him there. He doesn't just leave him; he takes care of them. takes care of him overnight, and then in the morning he actually pays the innkeeper more money than he's already spent. He's already used his own materials to dress his wounds. He's already soiled his own blanket on his donkey, he's paid money for this man to stay in this inn, and now he's going to up the ante even more and provide shelter and more care for this man for as long as he needs. And he says to the innkeeper, if what I'm giving you right now is not enough, then I will be back to pay you more. My Bible says that what the, what the Samaritan paid the innkeeper was about two days' worth of wages. But he was willing to go further. Kindness goes beyond what's convenient. It goes beyond the norm. It is radical. So let's flip to John 4. Because I love how these two stories sort of intertwine. It's the Samaritan scenario and the Jewish scenario. But also, there is, if we go through John chapter 4 and look at the story of the woman at the well, Jesus does exactly what he prescribes that the Samaritan would do for this Jew in the story. So Jesus shows up at the well... In Sychar to to meet this woman. It's not it's not a happenstance. It's not by coincidence. Jesus comes to the well at Sakar to meet this woman, and he had had he he had exactly what she needed. The Samaritan man had exactly what the Jew, the injured Jew, needed. He had the knowledge to dress his wounds. He had the he had the um, the financial ability to put him up in, in the inn to make sure he had care. Jesus has living water for this woman, right? That's what Jesus talks about, right? She's, she's talking about giving him water out of the well, and he's like, you know what? If you, ha- if you take the water I have, you'll never have to come back to this well again. Now, he's obviously not talking about physical hydration. He's talking about spiritual hydration, and he says, I am what you need. He had, Jesus had the water that was going to move and wash the inside of her. And it was his kindness that got that process started. Jesus was willing to do what others were not willing to do. He was willing to speak to the Samaritan woman. To show kindness to a Samaritan woman. And just like the good Samaritan, Jesus did what others would not do. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's fruit of the Spirit level kindness. It's not nice. He wasn't just being nice to the woman at the well, just like the Samaritan wasn't just being nice to the Jew. He didn't come up to him and go, Are you okay? Did you call 911? Okay. Hope you do better tomorrow. Jesus was kind. It is the literal difference between the fruit of the Spirit level kindness and behavior that lacks Holy Spirit anointing. That's what niceness is. Niceness is actually behavior that lacks Holy Spirit anointing. It's halfway. Kindness, this this is number five, kindness is truth in love. Okay, so I'm going to sort of flip this on its head a little bit because there's another part of this story in John chapter 4 that tells us about kindness in a different way. Niceness tells people what they want to hear. Kindness tells the truth. The truth in love. Truth in love. See, the other side of that coin is telling people the truth for our own benefit. We tell the truth to gain advantage over people sometimes. We tell the truth to hold something over someone's head. We tell the truth to deflect from our own deficiencies. Jesus didn't ever do that. He told the woman at the well the truth to lift her up. It was actually honor. He was showing her honor. He was saying, there's more in you than what you are taking advantage of. Look higher. Aim higher. Because Jesus loved her, he told her the truth. So John 4, 16 through 18 says this. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her. You're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Jesus did not out her to hurt her. He outed her to let her know that he knew her. Because he wanted to call her higher. And if you look later in the story... This woman, that encounter with Jesus changes her life forever. And she becomes one of the greatest missionaries we know about in Scripture to Samaritans. Because she goes back to her village and she tells the people, anybody she could see, she says, that man, come see the man who knew everything about me and yet did not persecute me. Surely he must be the Messiah. My guess is, we don't know this, and this is just me speculating, but my guess is she went on home after that. And she kicked that schmuck of a boyfriend out of her house and she started living for Jesus. Why? 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 Our culture tells us kindness is affirmation. Right? That's what our culture says. Our our culture says, you're not being kind to me unless you affirm me. Kindness is being an ally. If you don't affirm me, you don't love me. If you don't affirm me, you're not kind. That's the complete opposite of what Jesus did and taught. Modern North American Christianity or Christian culture encourages us to one of two outcomes and it's either kindness is affirmation, like culture, or religious safety through distance is purity. Let me say that again. All right? We have there are two things that North American Christian culture is teaching today outside of the actual word of the Lord. The first one is kindness is affirmation. It's like, if you feel that way, we're just going to affirm you because we're actually afraid of you. We're afraid you're not going to like us. It's the fear of man. We're we're not going to actually stand on the word of the Lord. We're actually going to affirm what you're saying because we're afraid if you don't, you will either persecute us or you won't come back. The second option is... Like self-preservation mode, where we say, like, the only way to stay pure is to separate ourselves from the culture. We've got to hide. We're going to hunker down, and we're going to wait for Jesus to come back, because that's the only safe plan. Right? Isn't that true? Isn't that two of the most predominant things that we see in Christian culture? Because here's the thing. We've created Christian culture instead of propagating kingdom culture. We've stopped promoting kingdom culture, and we're only promoting the Christian culture that makes us feel good and feel safe. Number six. Kindness leads to repentance. Romans 2 4, Paul says God's kindness leads us to repentance. It's not God's wrath that leads us to, de- to repentance. It's not, it's not being scared enough of God that leads us to repentance. It's actually God's kindness. And Jesus shows us that in Mark four, or in John chapter 4. Because he says. He is literally kind to this woman. He does something that culture would not allow. And he, if the priests and the Levites and the Sadducees had been at the well in Saqar, they would have told him, they would have told him that he was actually the devil for reaching out to this woman, for meeting her where she was at. But Jesus not only did that, but he told her the truth. Sometimes the most loving thing that you can do for someone is to tell them the truth. The most kind thing that you can do for someone is to tell them the truth in a world that's not going to tell them the truth. The, in a world that's going to let them go down that road. And again, our heart has to be not for our own gain, it's not for us to go, I'm right. or wait for something else bad to happen and then go, I told you so. But out of real love and concern for them, our, our, our focus has to be them. It has to be concern for them. It has to be love for them. It's only kindness and it's only love if we are focused on what they can become. God's kindness leads us to repentance, not distance, not shaming, not bragging, not affirming. God's kindness, pure kindness. And that only comes from being adjacent to the Holy Spirit. If you are not accessing the Holy Spirit's guidance and power in your life, you will be nice or you will be selfish, but you won't be kind. So, what do we do? Three quick things, and then we'll close. One, we have to align ourselves with the heart of Jesus. Jesus' heart was for the Jew, but also the Samaritan in the story. The Jew needed help, and the Samaritan was the one that provided help, but the one, the Samaritan actually knew the heart of God better than the priest or the Levite. We have to align ourselves with the heart of Jesus. How do we do that? being close to the Holy Spirit. Because remember, Jesus told us that the Holy Spirit will only tell us what Jesus said. And Jesus told us that He only does what He sees His Father doing. And so if we allow the Holy Spirit close and give Him access We can know the heart of God. Two, we have to welcome Holy Spirit to do the work that he's been sent to do. So many times we put up our hands and we go, nope, that's it. You crossed the line there, God. I'm not willing to go there. I am going to maintain control of this area of my life. when we do that, we limit the Holy Spirit's effectiveness in discipling us to kindness. Third, we can't just be religious. We have to be kind. James 2.20 says, faith without works is dead. The priests and the Levites knew all about the religious. And they were the ones that Jesus rejected. They they were only rejected because they rejected him. If they had accepted Jesus as who he is, they would have been welcomed. But all they did was reject him. All they did was tell him he wasn't religious enough. And Jesus said, you have no idea what the heart of God looks like. I think this brings us clarity on what this fruit of kindness really looks like clarity I don't know if you're familiar with Brene Brown she's sort of Christian adjacent she's a, she's a, a psychologist and sociologist and does a lot of studies on human behavior and she says clarity is kind clarity is kind Jesus has given us clarity. He's actually being kind to us right now by sharing this with us today. By by bringing this story of the Samaritan and by interacting with the woman at the well, he's actually being kind and being clear with what he wants from us. And the only thing left for us to do is to respond to him. I know personally in, in taking a look at this that it's really easy for me sometimes. Like I'm the one who ends up like really trying to like help other people, but there's like some weird self thing that I get out of it sometimes. And it's like, oh, I help them, but if it doesn't lead them to Jesus, it's actually not helpful. And if it's only for me, then I'm not actually being kind. I'm just filling my schedule with stuff. I'm actually just being religious and being nice. And So we have this opportunity to come before the Lord.